0: Shabina, and you're listening to Cultural Standpoints, a podcast produced by the VCU Brand Center Strategy Track.
1: Last August, the hashtag
0: officially celebrated its 10th birthday, and the pound sign is somewhere crying about it.
1: The hashtag as we know it today was first introduced in 2007 by Chris Messina, who proposed using the pound symbol as a channel tag to aggregate and find similar conversations. Fast forward to today, the hashtag is not only used to track and collect
0: conversations on social media platforms, but it's also a badge of honor for our culture's most astounding conversations. If a conversation happened without a
1: hashtag, did it really happen? A hashtag can be a catalyst for conversations surrounding social justice online. A prime example of that is tackling Hollywood's representation problem. Over the last five years or so, we've seen the movie industry get criticized for its lack of diversity in all realms, from casting to production. As a repercussion, the Academy Awards have taken a brunt of the criticism for its lack of inclusion in nominees and nominators alike. Enter the hashtag, OscarSoWhite. In 2015, the Oscar So White hashtag gained enough traction to light a fire under Hollywood's ass. It all started with one well-timed tweet by April Rain.
0: We spoke with April to learn how it all started.
2: Oscar So White was completely organic. It didn't come to to me like I was... I don't know, sitting in the middle of a boardroom and said, okay, well, this is going to be our activation for the next four years or whatever. Um, I was um, getting dressed in my family room watching the Oscar nominations as I did every year. And it just struck me how homogenous the... um, the nominees were both in front of and behind the camera. Uh, that particular year, there were no people of color in any of the actor or actress or supporting actor or actress categories. So it's like 20 people. Um, and so I just picked up my phone and said, "Oscar, so white, they asked to touch my hair. Um, And then that was it. It was one tweet. I finished getting ready for work. And, you know, again, I was still practicing at that time. I checked in um, on Twitter around lunchtime and the um, hashtag was trending internationally.
0: So the crazy thing about this one tweet is not just the cultural shift it started, but how even through thousands of retweets and people adding to it online, one thing remained constant, the credit to April Rain. April has been able to hold on to the Oscar So White hashtag as her own since its inception. When news outlets talk about Oscar So White, they talk about April. To keep that ownership was a decision that April had to make on her own.
2: So, you know, the first thing was, okay, well, how white are the Oscars, right? And so I had to do a whole bunch of research um, really quickly because I was getting um, interview requests, um, you know, to talk about... What the disparities were um, with respect to the Oscars initially, and then now the conversation has broadened to all of the entertainment industry. Um, and there was also a question, you know, when you have a hashtag that's trending internationally and, and has really gone viral, you have to decide if you're going to take ownership of it. Meaning, you know, is it just something you're going to let? die or, you know, wither away and just wait for the next hashtag or if it's something that you really want to, um, you know, make a moment or a movement or, you know, whatever folks call it. Um, And so I decided that the issue uh, about the lack of diversity and inclusion and equity in entertainment was very important to me for a couple of reasons, and so I decided that I would, you know, sort of champion it and um, take it as far as I could, and and here we are now in uh, the fourth year.
1: When we talk about giving credit to creators, the answer seems obvious. If it's their intellectual property, they have a right to the credit. However, when the content we're talking about is specifically a hashtag, the lines become blurred. Think about it. If the idea behind a hashtag is to categorize conversations under a single topic or channel tag, where and how does crediting the person who started a hashtag come into play? That's what we set out to find.
0: We can't have this conversation without getting input from an influencer. So we spoke with Sam White, also known as Sam Whiteout, influencer and activist. With almost a quarter of a million followers, Sam is no stranger to the nuances and levels of conversations online. To understand how Sam uses hashtags, you have to understand his origin story.
3: Uh, I'm obviously a white guy in a historically black fraternity. I was very active in the fraternity. Um, and so people knew who I was. So at that point, it wasn't weird for people to take ask for photos or take videos when we would be strolling. So we were strolling at some intermission and it just so happens that one of the videos that was taken is automatically posted to Tumblr when the girl who took it posted it to Instagram. And so it was all linked back to her Instagram post where she tagged me. So as opposed to this being, you know, another video that's, you know, 15 seconds, 30 seconds of a random white person with rhythm (laughs) that gets put on WorldStar and disappears after a week, it was all tied back to me.
1: Sam has always been an activist. And as his followers grew, Sam wanted to use his following to share his voice for the topics he was most passionate about. For Sam, his hashtag is about creating dialogue around what's happening in society just as much as it is about his brand.
2: So
3: be you, be great. Um, I remember coming up with that and thinking to myself, they're gonna hate this, it's way too corny. And they were like, Sam, you are incredibly corny. This is perfect. uh this is this is right on brand so to speak and i just started integrating it into basically everything that i was doing what worked about bub great and what i think is attractive to people is it's not issue specific bub great would fit in as naturally in a conversation about self-care as it would about institutional racism as it would about developing a healthy relationship with your siblings
1: For Sam, having an active role in claiming ownership over his hashtag is a balance between being hands-on and hands-off. A lot of that has to do with the reality of, and the nature of, the internet. Funny, like,
3: every maybe four months, four to six months, someone will DM me or tag me in something, whether it's on Instagram or Twitter, They'd be like, hey man, so glad that you started using my hashtag, you know, be be great, (laughs) you know something 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 And i'm just like okay cool great like shout out to you the whole point is that these hashtags and these ideas and mantras should be things that everyone participates in that's that's the goal that's the whole point um so ownership can be a bit fickle and i think the other thing is my goal is as long as i keep bub great in my usage tied very specifically to the passion points that i talk about whether you know from an activism perspective it keeps bub great from becoming like a shitty t-shirt slogan
0: And April has similar thoughts.
2: Early on, there was an erasure of me, which, you know, I I take the irony well that, you know, here I am um, fighting for more visibility for people of color um, in the entertainment industry while I'm simultaneously being erased. So, you know, it would be Twitter created the hashtag or a hashtag was created, you know, passive voice as if you know, the social media platform on its own and not a particular person um, created the hashtag. Um, so, you know, I had to course correct there. And so now, you know, I've got this community of folks who, um, when they see it happening, uh, even today, you know, I'll get a tweet that says, um, you know how can you discuss Oscar so white without talking about its originator and then they tag me at the very end so they are taking it on on themselves you know to ensure that I'm getting um, proper credit I don't need to be in on every conversation so every time someone mentions Oscar so white you know I, I don't need them to call me or ask me for a quote or something like that because I, I, I don't think that's necessary um, but I think that we all should take ownership for the things that we create. All this
0: conversation had us wondering, what exactly are the legal frameworks? Do legal frameworks even exist? We spoke with tech attorney, Roman Fishman, also known as The Legalist, to find out just what could be done to protect creators of hashtags.
4: The first answer is can hashtags be protected and trademarked? The answer is yes, or I can say hashtag yes. Uh, if you ever try to trademark hashtag funny, um, well that is not really in the stream of commerce. It doesn't uh, identify a good. Um, it's merely descriptive, right? It's just funny so descriptive things cannot be uh, generally cannot be uh, trademarked. Um, but if you try to um, uh, trademark hashtag Coca-Cola, uh, which is, would be an easy example, and then that would be trademarkable, partly because Coca-Cola is already uh, trademarked. But, but as an example, the, the difference between something that is has related to commercial activity and something that is not, from the perspective of the of the USPTO, the hashtag itself does not change the the, the meaning, the legal meaning of what a trademark is. It's just basically. You know, it's hashtag whatever, and that whatever has to identify the source of goods.
1: It's good to hear that there's something out there that could help protect hashtag creators. But there's a problem with relying on creators to pursue legal measures. Legally claiming something costs money, it takes time, and because of how fleeting the internet is, it can be difficult to pinpoint the right moment in time to take action. And for the average Joe, that's not really something that's attainable as soon as a hashtag gains popularity. That brings us to the idea of erasure.
0: Our conversation deals with the erasure specifically of people of color, women, and the LGBTQ plus communities who are often written out of their creations and forgotten about historically. Think of a hidden figures type of situation.
3: I think if you look at Ms. Burke's uh, hashtag me too, Mm-hmm. Um, she is only now receiving a shred of the credit that she deserves for that, um, and there are a number of reasons why she was denied credit. Part of it is absolutely because credit can get lost in the the clusterfuck of the internet. That is a that is just a reality, um, and that can happen to anyone. However, it is certainly certainly exacerbated by the way in which. Uh, Black culture has always been a victim of theft by quote-unquote mainstream culture so uh, Miss Burke is a dark-skinned black woman Um, she doesn't look like J-Lo right Mm -hmm. that absolutely you know plays into the way in which folks felt like they could take her idea and there was going to be no consequences sometimes people steal ideas and they don't know that they're stolen that certainly happens. But at some point along the way, there are certainly decisions made by people on scales large and small, like, hey, we don't have to worry about that. Or we don't, we don't need to bring her in as a speaker. We can have these other people.
0: The little man is at a disadvantage when it comes to protecting property online. So to fight the erasure of creators, but specifically marginalized groups, we should be vigilant in giving them credit. So the next time you see something trending online, ask yourself, who started that?
1: Thanks for listening to Cultural Standpoints, a podcast produced by the BCU Brand Center Strategy Track. A special thanks to Sam White, April Rain, and Roman Fishman for their time.